Welcome to the Veterans Perspective, presented by the Michigan Veterans Affairs Agency, with your host, Director of the MVAA, Zanetta Adams. Welcome to the Veterans Perspective. My name is Zanetta Adams, and I am the Director of the Michigan Veterans Affairs Agency. And today we're talking about Pride Month and resources and information for LGBTQ plus veterans. Uh, joining us today as my co-host is going to be Erica Hoover, the Women Veterans and Special Populations Coordinator, as well as some of our guests today, Natrina Blackstock, the Director of the Ingham County Veterans Services, Michael Platy of the Michigan Veterans Affairs Agency, Bianca Racine, a veteran in the community, as well as Andrea Norton, a veteran in the community. I also wanted to let everybody know that this has been proclaimed Pride Month by Governor Whitmer uh, this month. So we're excited to be able to talk about these uh, issues and to talk about the information and resources that we can share. So we hope that you'll stick around uh, so that you can get some great information and we'll see you after the commercial break on the Veterans Perspective. Welcome back to the Veterans Perspective and joining me today as a co-host is Erica Hoover, who has been the Women Veterans and Special Populations Coordinator at the Michigan Veterans Affairs Agency for the last at least year. So welcome to the show, Erica. Thanks, Director Adams. This is an honor to be here today. Yeah. And so I, you know, I'm, I'm pleased and honored for you to be able to share this uh, platform with me today um, as we've been doing a lot of different uh uh, talks and con- having a lot of different conversations with women veterans over the last year, actually, um, with the She is a Veteran campaign that we've been doing. Um, and I think that kind of spills into what, we've, what we're talking about today, which is Pride Month and, and resources for LGBTQ plus community. So it, can, you, can you just tell us a little bit about your service, uh, your time in service, how, you know, the discussions today may have impacted you and even, you know, if you want to share a little bit of history about LGBTQ and service. Yeah, definitely. I mean, this month is my favorite month, first of all, um, because it's the actual, the time that I get to be me all the time, um, unapologetically uh, anywhere. And so, you know, June is always a really fun month and to kind of come in community with uh, LGBTQ veterans alike um, and LGBTQ people. Um, a little bit of like historical context, I would say, or, or just some, you know, some some quick data. There's over 75,000 um, LGBTQ folks that are actively serving today in the military, um, and actually over 15,000 people that identify as trans in the military. Um, And so, you know, the impacts of DADT, which is Don't Ask, Don't Tell, on on people and myself and, you know, other guests on the show have kind of rippled through uh, the years. Um, In 1950, um, President Truman actually enacted a UCMJ um, rule, which established the discharge rules for, uh, homosexual members, um, and said that in 82, that it was incompatible with military service. And in 93, president Clinton, um, attempted to lift that ban. Um, and he created don't ask, don't tell. Um, and so, you know, there's a whole host of problems with that, um, for folks that were serving in the military. First of all, folks that were serving before don't ask, don't tell, were just kicked out for just about anything. Um, no, you know, there were, there were no benefits. There, there was nothing, no partials, no administrative, you know, none of that was, was available and there hasn't been really any outreach. Um, and so, you know, I personally have been affected by don't ask, don't tell. Um, I was a lesbian serving in the military during that time. Um, I had somebody, uh, 
say that they thought that I was gay. Um, and it went through my chain of command. And it was right toward the end of when Don't Ask, Don't Tell was being repealed. So there was a lot of conversations going on. Um, and I was a, I, you know, I, I was a very valued service member. And my command, all my chain of command wrote letters and notes and stuff um, in my defense, I guess, or just saying that I was a, you know, I was a, I was a great add to the, to the unit and that I shouldn't be discharged. Uh, just don't ask, don't tell was repealed and it went away. Like nothing ever happened again. Um, and I ended up being wrench turner of the year that year and, you know, a whole host of other awards. So, you know, it just goes to show you that being gay in the military didn't affect my performance as a highly, uh, trained, trained and effective, uh, mechanic. So, was kind of a, a real quick rundown of, you know, some of my experiences, but it, you know, it was really, it was a tough time. Yeah, I can, I can only imagine, you know, and, and having to deal with that. And, and even knowing that, you know, if you, if you have, you had this don't ask, don't tell in, in, in place, and yet you weren't out there saying and, and advertising it, and yet it still could have gotten you put out of the military, even though just because somebody suspected it didn't mean that you violated the rules is, it's just to let you know that that bias and discrimination was still there, regardless of the law that was in put in place to seemingly help, but actually may have done more harm than good. And so, I, you know, I, I just think about the, the many veterans that, you know, I've come in contact even with that um, are looking for those discharge upgrades and looking for um, uh, these opportunities to to share their story about, you know, the things that happen. And I know. Um, in 2011, right, it was when it was repealed, this don't ask, don't tell, but it seems like we're still dealing with issues, you know, uh, around the LGBTQ plus community. And I know that there's, there was this huge push for um, uh, transsexuals not serving in the military, transgender uh, not serving in the military or not having surgeries or just different types of components. So these things are still at issue. And so, you know, I, I applaud you for for standing in the gap and standing up for those individuals and being a resource for those individuals within the state who may be struggling. Um, so, so I, I definitely do appreciate that. Um, one of the other things I would say is that um, we know those consequences um, that we speak of that you could have been discharged dishonorably, but what, what, what would you say to those veterans out there who may have been discharged honorably. What what kind of resources would you say that you could assist with at the MVAA? I would say these folks served honorably um, and deserve the benefits and the resources that, you know, they earned these benefits. Um, and I think that's one of the biggest hurdles um, here at, you know, working for the state or, you know, even for the VA, I would say is that LGBTQ service members, veterans do not identify in the veteran community, um, much like women veterans, you know, do not. And so that will be one of our, our biggest obstacles and, and things that we need to do as an agency is really reach out and get folks to identify. Um, and they can call, we can get them set up with, you know, with the Resource Service Center um, and really connect them to the benefits that they've earned. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story and for being candid about it. And so next up, when we return from commercial break, we'll be speaking with Natrina Blackstock about discharge upgrades and how you can um, get information that can help you uh, throughout this time. So stay tuned with us.
Welcome back to the Veterans Perspective. I'm your host, Zanetta Adams, Director of the Michigan Veterans Affairs Agency. And joining me today is Natrina Blackstock. Now, Natrina is the Director of the Ingham and Eden County Veteran Services and has been in this position for the past five years. She served eight years in the U.S. Army and U.S. Army Reserves and was honorably discharged as a first lieutenant in 2019. Thank you for joining us today, Natrina. Thank you for having me. Now, you know, we're, we're talking about, um, you know, we're talking about Pride Month. We're talking about um, our LGBTQ uh, population today. But, you know, one of the things that has plagued that community and, and many communities across the veteran spectrum is um, discharge status. And so I wanted to talk to you because I know that you've had some recent successes with discharge upgrades. And I wanted to kind of get your perspective on what you've been doing, what veterans can do to take that step to upgrade their discharges and, and how prevalent is it? Yes, thank you, Zanetta. So at Ingham and Clinton County Department of Veterans Affairs, um, we are definitely an ally to the LGBTQ plus veterans community. Uh, we have a special commitment to all veterans. However, we understand the pain of those who have uniquely served under injustices such as don't ask, don't tell. Um, so in the past uh, years, We've worked with, uh, with veterans concerning this issue and we've had success. Um, one story that really comes to mind is one veteran who should have been um, honored, honorably discharged with her retirement status. Uh, she got out ever since 1988, as a matter of fact. And on her discharge, um, it was listed as um, misconduct for um, homosexual activity. Uh, she was able to come into our department. We were able to get the um, the negative narrative off of her DD-214, as well as assist with uh, gaining those retirement points and getting her the proper um, uh, services that she's eligible for, as well as correct her retirement points for her. Um, so with Ingham and Clinton County Department of Veterans Affairs, we've established a great agenda to reserve to reverse the bad discharges received under Don't Ask, Don't Tell, and to restore honor to every LGBTQ plus veteran who suffered under this. That's great news, and that's great news for our veterans. And I know that you're doing this work, and I know that there's other advocates across the state, if you're not in Ingham or Eaton County, that can help with that. Um, I would ask, do you know if there's been any recent changes in the law or that, that could make this easier for these veterans, or is this something that needs to be advocated for? Like, what's going on in this area? Mm -hmm. So it's definitely something that needs to be advocated for. Um, of course, just by us being on this call, we know that we've uh, kind of partnered with MVAA and we have high hopes to work with Michigan's elective representatives to ensure that Restore Honor to Service Member Act is actually brought into law. Um, so it's an act that's been going forward, um, but we're hoping to really, quote unquote, stir the pot and bring it into law so that... Um, you know, the LGBTQ plus veterans community rece received the justices that they deserve. Well, that's, that's great news. And we will continue to stand with you because, you know, there have been many reasons why veterans have been discharged, whether it be for PTSD, whether it be for, you know, quote unquote, what's been considered misconduct in the past for, uh, you know, loving someone different than, uh, than the culture uh, said to love. And so we will continue to push for that. I, you know, before we wrap it up, I did want to just 
touch really quick, um, if you could just give us a brief high-level overview of the Quicken Loans program that you're working on. Sure. Um, so we've partnered also with Quicken Loans, and um, we're hoping to develop a further initiative to restore honor. Um, we have uh, three or four goals in mind. First is to advocate for benefits, um, including correcting the bad discharges. We just talked about that. Um, we have program planning in place. We're developing partnerships with organizations that can provide resources and additional support, such as financial support. So veterans who were discharged under Don't Ask, Don't Tell and received unfavorable discharges, it affected their entire lives. Um, some of these veterans um, you know, went into depression um, and anxiety and other mental effects. And others also couldn't receive jobs that they would have gotten had they received an honorable discharge. So it's affected every aspect of the lives of individuals in the LGBTQ plus veterans community. Quicken Loans comes into play because they have a beautiful initiative to restore honor. So veterans who are coming in with, uh, with bad discharges and getting these just discharges overturned, we're hoping that they're able to take certification over to Quicken Loans and receive a new start program meaning although their credit may be flawed or they may have different flaws going on with their personal budget, but Quicken Loans, they're developing programs to assist with this so that the veterans don't have to suffer financially any longer. Thank you so much for joining us today, Natrina. And so um, now we're going to speak with Michael Plady. He is a resource center technician at the Michigan Veterans Affairs Agency and wanted to talk a little bit about his experience um, as an ally during the Don't Ask, Don't Tell movement. Welcome back to the show, Michael. Oh, thanks for having me on, Director. So again, we're talking about Pride Month and LGBTQ um, and the LGBTQ uh, movement, but also about how we're making changes. And I wanted to talk to you about your time in service during a time when, you know, Don't Ask, Don't Tell was in motion. It was in effect. What, how, what, what was that like? Yeah, it was it was interesting. Um, being an ally, you know, it's kind of theoretical. Sometimes you meet people growing up, um, you have, you know, the, a community of friends, but then you get into a, a situation where you're deployed with um, service members that are gay, but they can't um, kind of share that aspect of their life while they are in uniform. And the idea that service members you know, would be able to drive around on Humvees and have a picture of their significant other on the dashboard to remind them of home, knowing that there um, were soldiers that I was serving with that couldn't do that because they were they feared being kicked out of the military was just an insane injustice and bad policy and the just the personal toll it obviously took on service members that I you know people that I served with and soldiers that um, I can easily say were better soldiers than I. Um, and seeing the, you know, the, the impact it had on them was just awful. And so seeing the end of Don't Ask, Don't Tell um, during my service, but after I got back from deployment, and then hearing stories like Natria's where she's helping veterans, you know, get those um, discharge upgrades on their DD-214s so veterans can get the benefits that they've earned. And, and it's, it's great that we're finally getting there, but it's a... Um, it kind of reminds us of where we were and and kind of the the troubles that um, a lot of our fellow veterans went through. Yeah, and you know the act that she mentioned. I think it's important that 
you know, it's great that that has been repealed, the don't ask, don't tell, but there's the remnants are still there. It's almost, it reminds me of civil rights. You know, you can put civil rights in place, right? But the the attitude, the tone, the the uh, the discrimination is still there. And so we really have to work hard to advocate for those changes. And so um, for for those people who may who may be heterosexual, but, you know, want to be allies, what would you recommend that they do? Or, if, or do you have any recommendations as how they can be supportive? Um, first is listen, um, be an ally by listening and listening to the stories of the community and then speak up when you can. Um, I remember writing a letter to the editor um, in Stars and Stripes when I was in Baghdad because uh, an NCOIC I knew had written a pretty discriminatory letter to the editor. So I replied because um, sometimes you have to speak up and it's the smallest thing you can do to be an ally. So um, listen and then speak up when you can. All right. Well, you heard that, folks. Listen and speak up. So thank you so much for joining us and sharing a little bit of your story, um, Michael. And when we come back, We'll be speaking with Erica Hoover, our Women Veterans and Special Populations Coordinator, as well as Bianca Racine to talk about Pride Month. So stay tuned. Welcome back to the Veterans Perspective, and I'm joined with Bianca Racine and uh, our co-host, actually, Erica Hoover today. So Bianca is a Army specialist who was honorably discharged in 2014 and is now a training consultant at Quicken Loans. Welcome to the show, Bianca. Thank you. Very much appreciated you having me here today. Yeah, we we definitely appreciate you joining us today and and to talk about many things. And this is the first time we've had a discussion really about um, a really in-depth discussion about issues that are our, our, our veterans who are within the LGBTQ plus community are dealing with. And so what better month than Pride Month to be able to talk about some of the challenges maybe that you've had. So I'd love to hear a little bit about your story and your journey. Sure. So I joined uh, the Massachusetts Army National Guard right there in Boston uh, shortly after my basic training in AIT was complete. So our job training, I volunteered for a deployment to Iraq and they sent me to Kosovo. Uh, I was there for two years under NATO. Um, and that's that's when I started noticing a, f- a few things about my time in service as LGBT. As you know, under that time, I was serving under Don't Ask, Don't Tell. Um, so it, it was very hard during that deployment to really get to know, uh, who I was working with and, you know, some, some things had come up in, during that time, um, in regards to how, how open I could be, if, if I could be open, anything like that. So shortly after, uh, my deployment ended in 2008, I decided to take a one-way ticket, uh, ticket to Lansing, Michigan, um, never having been here, no friends or family. I just thought, you know what, I need a, a good, clean, fresh start. And then uh, I transferred to a base up in Grayling, where I joined the Army Corps of Engineers. And I finished my time uh, mostly working some uh, what we call ADSW and AGR jobs, meaning contract jobs, um, technically full-time Army uh, Army hours. And then uh, since uh, my getting out in 2014, I've been working on a lot of veterans-related issues, not just LGBT, but that tends to be a little closer for home uh, for me. And, uh, you know, here I am today. Well, I, I thank you for your service and for sharing that part of your story. And, you know, um, 
I know that your journey wasn't necessarily, hasn't necessarily been easy. Can you tell us a little bit about that and why, you know, advocating for veterans, even just in, let's just say the LGBTQ space is so important? Yeah. So when I decided I wanted to join the army, um, I was actually very tactical about it because I knew I couldn't do active duty being LGBT. So already don't ask, don't tell was playing a part of how my life would work and what I would need to do. Um, during my deployment, I started noticing that I could be more out with other nations such as Spain or Italy and, and not my own. So I really kind of felt isolated and, and very lonely for quite some time. And so when I got home, I didn't realize how many problems that actually, you know, I'm in a combat zone and I'm struggling with my identity. I'm struggling with what's going on around me and the loss of a few friends and my own hospital visit and all of these things. And, you know, back then we didn't even talk about post-traumatic stress disorder or mental health. And so we had a program here in Michigan called Buddy to Buddy, which is now under the Veterans Affairs, amazing program. And up in Grayling, I had uh, Bob Short, my mentor, um, like family to me. And he said, hey, you got to talk it out. You know, you, you can't hold a job. You're drinking a lot. Like what's going on? I said, you know, you're right. And so I got involved with the program. He helped me navigate the VA system. Um, I, I don't know where I would have been without him really. And once I finally got stable, you know, good home, good job. I, you know, I didn't, I, homelessness wasn't something I had to worry about anymore. I said, I'm going to pay it forward and I'm, I'm going to help veterans. And I noticed that even in amazing programs like Buddy to Buddy, there were less and less programs for the LGBT population that I was always referred to because I was known as their LGBT representative. And it just broke my heart because you, you want to try and get them just as stabilized as you were and, and giving them that foundation and happiness. And there was even so much, you know, that I couldn't even do. So since then, um, after the program had ended just a couple of years ago, I've really been working on, you know, pro bono consult. Uh, like consulting. So anytime, and I'm, I'm amazing. I work for Quicken Loans. Anytime you have something to say for, you know, helping a client or helping a veteran or helping a member of the LGBT community, just open ears. How can we help? You know, I've, I've met with Erica Hoover here, who's just always been a listening front for me and so supportive. And, and I think that's how we've been able to continue the momentum going, even at a time when we thought nobody wanted to listen in the first place. Yeah, that's, that's great. And it, a lot of times our, our passion comes from our experience. So um, it's really great that you were able to turn that around and use your experiences to really advocate. Now, you know, you know, while we were on a, a commercial break, you were sharing some um, interesting information with me around um, when you got married. So what, what year did you get married? I got married in 2014 to my ex-wife. Um, okay. and a couple hours after we got married in Oakland County, they told us our marriage was actually, we were at the reception in Lansing celebrating and come to find out, uh, we were given a text like, Hey, apparently the state is saying you're no longer married. And we're like, okay, well, they're trying to deploy me to Afghanistan. So I called the state, um, for the army and I'm like, Hey, if I get deployed, you know, what happens to my wife? And they said, well, federally, she can fill out whatever documents she wants for all of your benefits, but statewide, she wouldn't get anything. And that was, that was, I'm, I was raised by a New Yorker in New England. That touched a nerve for me, that, that New York subway nerve where I'm like, no, that's not right. That's not going to happen. Not on my watch. I, I don't like being told I don't have rights. 
So, you know, that that's really the foundational push for me of, of you got to fix what's broken. Mm-hmm. And was it was it able to be fixed? Yes, Casper versus Snyder, we did win um, because the freedom uh, freedom of marriage did, in fact, thanks to Eddie Windsor, get passed, and therefore our case was no longer needed. Um, but we were getting ready right right uh, right after Oberfeld, I believe, for Supreme Court. So we would have pushed it. Well, congratulations on that. Um, you know, and you know, you look at this type of a case, and it set standards for people across the state to be able mm-hmm. to to marry who they love. And so that's important. And I, you know, I, I will say to anyone out there, you know, if you're not a part of the LGBTQ plus community, um, one thing to remember is that veterans, again, we talk about this 1% of the population that served, they serve, whether they're LGBTQ plus, whether they're heterosexual, they serve, they sign up, they do their duty. And so therefore no one, no veteran should be denied of any of the benefits that they've earned for their service, their valiant service, regardless of their gender, race, sexual orientation, religion, any of those things. And so I'm always going to be an advocate and, 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 and a um, proponent of pushing for those issues. And I'm so glad and pleased to be able to have another advocate like you who really understands the experience, unfortunately, but fortunately for those who are going through it as well. So before we wrap up, we have about 30 seconds. Just give me a high level overview of what you would tell another veteran who may be struggling or be at the place that you were and how they can get support and help. Uh, If you are in fact a veteran that was discharged under don't ask, don't tell, reach out to your veterans affairs. Those can be reversed. You can get your benefits back. Uh, That was not so before, you know, that we have that protection now. Anyone serving currently Keep your head up, because for all of us that are on the outside, we're, we're still fighting for you. So, um, you know, we understand that you might be not, might not be comfortable. And, you know, just know that we still know you're there. We'll still speak for you. We'll still try and help in any way we can. Well, I appreciate that, Bianca. I appreciate you joining the show and sharing your story. And as always, if you want to find out more information or get connected to a veteran service officer in your area or learn more about discharge upgrades, you can give us a call at 1-800-MISHVET. That's 1-800-642-4838. Stick with us. We'll be back after the commercial break. Welcome back to The Veteran's Perspective, presented by the Michigan Veterans Affairs Agency. Now back to your host, director of the MVAA, Zanetta Adams. Welcome back to The Veteran's Perspective. I'm your host, Zanetta Adams, the director of the Michigan Veterans Affairs Agency. And joining us is our final guest, Andrea Norton who is a veteran in the community. She's also a part of the LGBTQ community, and I just want to welcome her to the show. So welcome to the show, Andrea. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be here. I'm always happy to talk about things during Pride Month like this. I think it's really important. And so can you tell us a little bit about your military history before we dive into the the meat of the conversation? Sure. Well, I was I was born and raised in the Great Lakes Bay Area in Bay City, and I joined the military a month after I graduated high school. Uh, really wanted to see the world, and it was kind of a 
little act of rebellion on my part because I was don't come from a military family and um, I joined the military and then when I was 19 I fell in love with a woman and I, I identify as bisexual or queer and and at the time um, don't ask don't tell was the policy in place so it was it was just really hard because you know we both we we both really loved each other a lot, but we really couldn't, it, we felt really scared to kind of pursue that relationship. So I never did. I mean, she's, she's now still my, my best friend in the whole wide world and she's happily, she's happily married and whatnot, but it's like, it, it was a really challenging um, thing to know that, you know, you can get kicked out just because of who you love. And I watched people, I, I've seen a couple people get kicked out simply for their orientation. So it was just, it was always this thing that was hanging over me that, you know, you have to manage so much mentally about what, what you talk about, who you're talking about it with, who's around, and you can't really just live your life in the same ways that you see your other coworkers being able to, to live like pictures in their cubicle of their family talking about on a Monday, what did you do over the weekend? You have to be really careful about that in the military. And, you know, when you have those type of policies in place. So I, it was just always a sense that I look back now and I wonder what, what I could have accomplished, how much more I could have accomplished. I mean, I was, I, you know, I, I was a valued service member. I got different awards and whatnot, but how much more could I have done if that the energy was spent on the mission and not managing everyone else's um, feelings about who I was? Yeah, I understand that. I mean, I, you know, I, I, I don't understand as far as, but I can, I can, I can sympathize with what you were dealing with um, while you were in the military. And I know that that has made you just an advocate for veterans in the community and for veterans within the LGBT um, community as well. You were um, featured as one of our She is a Veterans um, during our She is a Veteran campaign, one of our six. So congratulations on that. And thank you for sharing your story and your journey. Um, I'd love to hear just a little bit about um, the feedback you received after sharing your story, because I'm, I'm sure not everyone knew that part of your journey. Uh, it was honestly, I was really overwhelmed by um, the, how positive um, it was received. And I, I know that there's been a couple of people that, you know, said that it was, you know, just to, to, to hear that story, to hear an LGBTQ identified veteran telling their story. You don't hear that perspective. I think a lot of people, you know, when you ask them, what does a veteran look like? They will describe the same very um, homogenous kind of view. Like a, it, it is a, a middle-aged white guy with a hat that says veteran and maybe some patches and whatnot. It's a very specific identity. And it's so like there's such a diversity in the veteran community and it's just, it's not, um, it's not something that I think a lot of people were, were expecting to hear. I, it's just not a perspective you hear enough of. And I just wanted to highlight that veterans are of all walks of life. I mean, we come from so many different backgrounds and experiences. And I think that's what made the military, my military experience so interesting and so dynamic is that everybody is bringing themselves 
into the room except for if you were a member of the LGBTQ community, you couldn't quite fully show up in that room. Yeah, that's that's unfortunate. And hopefully, you know, it's changing. And I know it's probably not changing fast enough, but my hope is that it's changing. One of the things I, I wanted to talk to you and Erica about um, was, uh, you know, the fact that, you know, we talk about, you know, we're, we talk about women veterans, we talk about LGBTQ plus veterans. And um, we have, you talked about the middle-aged white man who's the, the epitome of what a veteran is, but these are also the folks that are serving in our community as veteran service officers, they're within our service organizations. And while there's nothing wrong with that, there's not, there's not enough, I don't think that there's enough um, representation from all of the other groups. And so, but even if there's not enough representation, I think part of it is because people don't understand those communities and they don't know how to approach them and receive them. And so I wanted to talk a little bit about this veteran service officer organization training that um, you you all have been working on. And Erica, if you could just shed some light on it a little bit about what's going on there, who's putting this together and what is that going to look like? Yeah, thank you. Um, so this training is for veteran service officers and organizations in Michigan. Um, I really think it could go nationwide. Um, but we're getting subject matter experts um, in the LGBTQ community to really inform our service officers um, of cultural competency of the of the community, um, language to use, and you know pronouns, and and how to respond and react and understand the history of the LGBTQ community um, while serving in the military. Um, and that's like a that's a two part training. So that's a cultural competency as well as a discharge upgrade training. And I think this is so important to show that we really um, we really care and we are working so hard in the community to reach out to LGBTQ veterans, you know, and Andrea is a part of this and it's just so fun to be able to have somebody in the community um, to work together on something that we're so passionate about. Yeah, it, and I'm glad that you said that, Erica, because it's, I, it, understanding, um, having veteran service officers who are often the first kind of entry point that a veteran has to, to even knowing what services are available to them, having that first person that they might talk to be, you know, be affirming and validating of who they are, I think is huge because I think the more visibility and, and whatnot that exists, you know, it's, it's hard for a community that doesn't always self-identify as a veteran. And then sometimes those veterans, if they do, they don't necessarily identify as an LGBT, as a member of the LGBT community. So I think both worlds need to be educated on each other. You know, I think just as important as it is to educate the veteran community about LGBT issues, I think it's also important to educate the LGBT community about veteran issues. I mean, that's, Connection is what's going to, I think, I think connection is suicide prevention. And I know that that is a huge topic in the, in the veteran community, as well as the LGBT community. So I think wherever, wherever veterans are in their community to find ways to connect them to each other, to other veterans and to um, their respective communities and then to the services that they have earned. That's 
Completely. Uh, that's that's great information. And I would say veteran service organizations are huge advocates um, in the com- in the veteran community in general. They're a huge resource. And we know that when veterans are connected to resources, the rate of suicidal ideation goes way down. So I just want to take a moment to thank you, Andrea and Erica, for joining us during uh, today and during this segment and talking about your stories. Thank you so much. And so I, I do want to give a special thanks again to Bianca Racine, to Michael Plady, to Natrina Blackstock, and again to Andrea Norton and our guest host, Erica Hoover, for joining today. If you want to find out more information about the Veterans Service Organization training or some any of the other resources that we have, including discharge upgrades, give us a call at 1-800-MISHVET. That's 1-800-642-4838. Thank you for joining us today, and we'll see you next week on The Veterans Perspective.